0: Oh, thanks for tuning into to this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host Daryl D. Lane, as always. Wherever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day listening via the WCET FM radio network, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, thank you for tuning in, feeling great, uh, haven't done a podcast in a while, really excited to do this, gonna have Alex Wolf on coming up in about 10-12 minutes, uh. New York Knicks podcaster, uh, covers the New York Knicks and does a podcast about the New York Knicks. So I'm going to talk to him a lot about, you know, what's going on with the Knicks. A couple other things that I'm interested to know about myself and, you know, Kevin Rand, lots to talk about. Kevin Rand, Kyrie Irving, are they going to the New York Knicks? What's going on there? So a lot of great stuff to talk about there. Uh, Won't want to miss the interview. Really great. Really appreciate Alex spending his time to come on the show. But here's where I want to start. NBA playoffs, right? Uh, Second round of action, semifinal start. Houston Loses the Golden State In dramatic fashion Calls What happened What didn't happen Are the refs Are they favoring the Warriors Toronto They punch the Philadelphia 76ers In the mouth Boston They make a resounding Statement in the East Blowing out Giannis uh, Who will probably Be league MVP And the best team In the NBA For the regular season At least the Milwaukee Bucks And we're gonna have The Portland Trailblazers Versus the Denver Nuggets in a semifinal that none of us thought, because I think a lot of people thought that the Spurs and the Oklahoma City Thunder could be both those teams in the first round. So a lot of great stuff to talk about, right? And we're going to find out, you know, because I always say this right the postseason. We separate the men from the boys. The real ones from the big ones. Who's really about it? And now it's going to get real. It's going to get real. So here are things I'm interested in seeing in each of these series now. One, Giannis. Where were you, bro? Believed Giannis only scored four points on two-point field goals. This is a guy that's had the most dunks since Shaq. The most dunks in a season since Shaquille O'Neal in the early 2000s for the Los Angeles Lakers. Is Giannis about that? Is Giannis that guy? Because if Giannis is truly that guy, then he needs to get the job done. Number two, what I want to know, Brett Brown, head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, can you get the most out of your team? Last year in the conference semifinals, we saw the Philadelphia 76ers get exposed to a Boston team without Kyrie Irving, without Gordon Hayward, and a Boston team that they were more talented than. And I love Kawhi Leonard, I love Toronto, but the Philadelphia 76ers are the most talented team probably from top to bottom, at least they're starting five at least, with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, JJ Redick, uh, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler and company. Most most are starting five in the East, yet they're getting shell shocked by the Toronto Raptors. So Brett Brown, can you make those adjustments? Can you change scheme? Number three. What I want to know. James Harden. And oh my God, talk about talk about thriller. And I'm going to get into more about Golden State, uh, Houston, a little bit later too. <laughs> uh, best believe that. Best believe that. James Harden. We have seen, and we saw this in the press conference, him complaining about calls, right? I just want to be given a chance. When you're not getting calls, find a way to do more. Do better. No excuses. The postseason time. Find a way. Can James Harden find a way? That's what I want to know. Can he find a way? Can he find a way? And number four, can Damian Lillard keep it up? Torched Russell Westbrook in the first round. Torched him. Put up a 50-piece in game six. Shot a 3-point, 30-footer in Paul George's face and said, Y'all want that smoke. Y'all want that smoke. That's what Dame did. Dame time. Can Dame time continue? And can Damian Lillard take his team to the conference finals? Something he has never done in his career. So, those are four things I'm really looking forward to. Four things I'm looking really forward to. Now, Let's talk about this. And by the way, uh, Alex Wolf, like I said, uh, host of during next podcast, locked on next podcast. We'll have him on the show in about five, six minutes, right? Uh, Alex Wolf, uh, host of Locked On Next Podcast. So we'll wait, wait for that. It's gonna be really interesting. Gonna be really entertaining. So Draymond Green is asked after the Golden State Warriors game, uh, after the Golden State Warriors Houston Rockets game, what he thinks about the calls. And this is what Draymond Green has to say.
1: He just wants a fair chance that the rest need to call the game the way it's supposed to be called. He just wants a fair chance, the rest need to call the game the way it's supposed to be called. He's specifically talking about closing out uh, on three-pointers, feeling like he got fouled several times in those situations.
2: I've been fouled by James on a James three-pointer before. I ain't trying to hear that. (laughs) Nah, I ain't going with that one. Uh, I'm straight. Nah, yeah.
0: Draymond. You know, see, Draymond, I love Draymond. Draymond's probably one of the best quotes, one of the best soundbite guys in the league. I'm trying to think of other people off the top of my head. Uh, Greg Popovich, maybe you know Greg Popovich because of what he says. I'm trying to think of other people besides Draymond. Uh, Those two are the only two that really come to mind at the moment. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they've had uh, soundbites, but theirs aren't really as interesting and as funny as Draymond. Draymond's like the Paul Pierce. They ain't love you like they love Kobe. They ain't love you like they love Kobe. You ain't Kobe. But this is what I have to say about this. I know a lot of people are complaining right now. Daryl Moore and the Rockets, they have analytics and they have data analysis and they're trying to, to tell league officials and league representatives that the Golden State Warriors are favored in every matchup against Houston Rockets in terms of foul calls and et cetera, right? And here's what I'm going to say about that. And I said this after the New Orleans Saints' non-pass interference was not called right against the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC Championship game. Bad calls happen in every sport. There are bad referees in every sport. Referees, they're not human. And and they are human, excuse me. And given the fact they are human, it makes them imperfect. And it makes them likely implausible to make mistakes. Do I think it's bias for the Golden State Warriors? Do I? Well, let me tell you this. If there was really bias, like bias, now, and what is bias? You know, I want this person to succeed because I like them. Because You might say, hey, the Golden State Warriors, they generate revenue, they generate money. Uh, super team, people love super teams. So, so maybe the NBA does have it in for the Warriors. I mean, they have it for the Warriors, right? And maybe they have it in for the Rockets because nobody likes the way James Harden plays basketball. Chris Paul can be a little flaky. and You know, maybe it's just better for ratings. But here's what I'm going to say. Let's go back to 2000 and 2016, 2016, right? The Warriors are up 3-1 against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, let's put this in perspective. What happens? Golden State, 73-1 team. Beat Michael Jordan, 72-1 Bulls record, right? They are the defending NBA champions. They're going for their second straight NBA championship. People, Steph Curry's become the most popular person in the league. He is the face of the league, not LeBron James. And you have a chance for... The cute kind of shooter guy, like, you know, that all the kids can say, I can be like him. And the fun team, you know, that's kind of lovable still, the Golden State wars You have a chance to see them win. And it changes the dynamics of the league, right? You can make an argument. LeBron's old news. Steph's new news. Uh Steph's the new thing, right? He's what's hip. What's cool? What's popular. And then what happens? Draymond Green, LeBron James to get tangled up. And Draymond Green uh calls LeBron a B. So, audibly, Kiki uh the director of a player discipline in the NBA, hears him. Draymond Green gets suspended the next game. Now, the Warriors are up 3-1. Draymond Green, who, in my opinion, at this point in time, is the most important player. He's the glue. He's the grit. He's the toughness. And he's suspended for a game. Then you want to know what happened. Did I remember this, too? I was actually at uh, something at John Carroll at my school, right? It was... a. Uh, I forget. I'm forgetting what it's called, but it's basically a uh, you tour the school. It's all the for all the freshmen tour the school. There's like a huge dance contest. I remember my group didn't win the dance contest, but that's basically what it is. Uh, you get to meet new people, new friends. You get to walk around the, you know, that, that's what it is. That's what it is, right? And I remember that night I was watching the game, and it was that game because it was they were up through one, so it was game five, right? Game five. And LeBron James and Kyrie Irving went off. They went off. Now, why do you think they were able to go off like that? Because Draymond Green, arguably the best defender in the NBA, was gone. The lane of the basket's easier. The person guarding him is easier. The way way you check a LeBron James a Kyrie Irving, it becomes easier. Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, go off. Game five. Then guess what happens? Momentum has shifted. Belief has shifted. We can actually beat this team. The Warriors are mortal. When game six, now all the pressures on Golden State game seven, the Cavaliers win. If the NBA was really for the Warriors, if they were so in love with the Warriors, then they would have not suspended Draymond Green. That is a fact. They would not have suspended Draymond Green. But you know why they suspended Draymond Green? Because he did did something wrong. And, And I don't agree. I don't think you should suspend players like that. But guess what? They did it. They did it. So don't tell me that the Warriors, you know, the Warriors are the favorite darling of the NBA in that they have it in for the Rockets. Because I'll tell you this, the NBA refs sure love James Harden. Every, every time James Harden gets fouled, I call it a La Harden. A La Harden, right? Gaming the system. James Harden gets the most preferential treatment in the NBA. He gets more preferential treatment than Kevin Durant, then Steph Curry, then LeBron James, then Russell Westbrook, then Damian Lillard, then Giannis Antetokounmpo, then Kyrie. It's Harden. So don't give me that. Don't give me that. Now, coming up next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're to have Alex Wolf host the Locked On Knicks podcast. Coming up next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We have Alex Wolf with us here today, co-host of Locked, Locked on Knicks podcast. How you doing, Alex?
1: I'm good, uh, how are
0: you? I'm doing great. Now, the first thing I do want to talk to you about is, uh, you know, what's the feeling around New York? Like, the season's kind of over, you know. You know, the Knicks had a little bit of a struggling season. They're going to be in the ladder, but what's the feeling about the team's prospects and free agency with guys like Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving? I mean, it's difficult
2: for
1: me to see if it's someone who, who doesn't have source information myself, based off reading all the things that I read from respected national writers and things of that nature, it feels like basically it's just thing, the Kevin Durant talk. Um, it just, it, it reminds me a lot of how things were with LeBron last year, with the LeBron to the Lakers rumors. Um, I, I, you just get the general feeling that it's, it's more or less a done deal and the season just has to end and get to July 1st and, you know, Durant's name will be on the contract. Um, as far as Kyrie, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting more constant, uh, in that as days pass. Um, it, you know, that one feels a little more murky and for whatever reason, Kyrie feels a little more slighty to me. Like if the, if the Celtics would make a, a really deep run or something and, you know, he would finally click, with some of his younger teammates. I don't know for sure that he would leave there, but it's certainly feeling more lately like he's coming to the Knicks than he's not. Uh, but it is, it's tough to make a you know a total um, judgment on those rumors. But you know the biggest giveaway to me, I think, is that a lot of the national guys and generally more Boston-centric
2: people like Zach Lowe and – Although he, he doesn't lean so much boss anymore.
1: But Bill Simmons in particular, getting as mad as he's gotten a Kyrie and um, going on as, as much of as kind of an anti-Knicks uh, slant as he's been on in a while has it honestly been about the biggest indicator to me that maybe the Kyrie stuff has some life as well.
0: Now, you know... Just talk about because you're from New York, You're in New York. Like, how big of a draw is New York? You know, two players. How big of a draw do you think that is? Like, you think that's a thing? Like, you know, the area you're living, playing in the mecca. Yeah, it's
2: so. I think players definitely respect New York
1: as like a basketball hotbed. You know, um, MSG. You know, has has a certain rep as an arena uh, and as sort of a basketball destination. Even if the Knicks they themselves haven't been, been putting out the best product there for years. And, you know, just the, the city's basketball culture in general is so rich with Rucker Park and, you know, just the, the, the amount of people that have come out of the New York area and gone on to have great basketball careers. So though, I think it's it definitely has some respect um, amongst the league, either earned or not. I, I do think, though, that, like, the general allure of New York City has been a little overplayed over the years. Um, you know, obviously, everybody thought that it was going to draw LeBron in back in 2010, and we sort of all hitched our horse to that wagon. I, I just feel like the Durant stuff is a little different because he's opening a new office for his, uh, his like, um, venture capitalist company, uh, 35 Ventures, in New York, and that feels a lot, very similar to, how again, how things went with LeBron last year where he was opening a production company in L.A., and wanted to move his family out there and all that, and it just sort of felt almost as much like a life move and an after-basketball move as a basketball move. So that's kind of how I'm going about that. But, yeah, it, you know, to get back to the, the actual question, it, there's definitely, there is an allure to New York. Um, I think, you know, from a business perspective, there's something that you had there, which I think is kind of Durant's motivating factor. And then for Tyree, it's more of like a, a hometown factor, I think, since he's a Jersey kid and grew up in the New York area, liking the Knicks and all that. I think there's, uh, you know, sort of that element to him where he understands basketball culture around here.
0: Now, you know, and a lot of people made uh, made arguments that, you know, what we went into the move of you know, trading a guy like Chris Asperzingas was so they could, you know, clear up cap space, uh, potentially so they could get a guy like Kevin Durant. Do you think that's what went into the trade?
1: i don't know if that was necessarily the point of the trade like i think the Knicks front office would have been just as happy to roll into this off season with porzingis because the reality was, was that you know you didn't have to clear as much cap space with porzingis here he was going to be like your second star because his cap hold was going to be a good deal smaller than his actual salary that he was commanded as a max free agent um I, I think there was a lot that went into that trade um I think it, it sounded like he became disinterested in the organization for one reason or another, um, and just felt like he wanted to move on. You know, didn't like their direction or whatever, or maybe you know, there's even been some rumors out there that he he kind of got wind of the you know impending Durant signing and didn't want to have to like put a second piddle to him. Uh, so I, I don't know exactly what led to. His dissent with the organization, but I think I think when you know Scott Perry and Steve Mills, the, the GM and uh, president of basketball operations, were looking around at the league, I think they wanted to get back young players and picks, which they got Dennis Smith and they got the two firsts, and then you know they could have probably shot to get more in the way of young players and picks or dumped all the salary. That they did, and I think that they chose instead of taking you know some extra picks or extra young players, they instead opted to you know use that avenue to dump salary, and you know especially if they do get Tyree and Durant, that definitely feels like the best move and the best way they could have handled the whole Porzingis situation.
0: Now you know what was the you know the, the fans' perspective, right? You know after Porzingis gets traded, because a lot of people I was talking to, they were like, "How could Knicks trade away Porzingis?" Like, "Oh my God, he's a unicorn. He's seven foot three. He can defend. He can shoot. He can do all this and that." What was the feeling from the fans when Porzingis got traded? You know, it was it was pretty polarizing.
1: Like especially the you know the, the day and week of and whatever. Um... I know, so, you know, you mentioned I, I co host Locked On Knicks, and I write for Posting and Posting on SB Nation, uh, so I'm around this stuff so quite a bit, and around, you know, quite a few people, and uh, my co-host, the Locked On Knicks, was, like, ready to renounce the Knicks after they got rid of Porzingis, because he thought it was legitimately, like, the worst move they could have possibly made, and couldn't believe they got rid of this guy who seemed like he was finally going to be, like, the first homegrown superstar, you know, forever, since, like, Patrick Ewing. Um, I kind of came to terms with it pretty quickly I guess uh, maybe I was you know and a lot of my a lot of my colleagues at Posting and coasting kind of did as well Um, it was it was just kind of like depending on what lens you looked at it through like if you looked at it initially as you know it's just the mixed front office being the mixed front office of old like Isaiah Thomas level crap Um, you know those people were inclined to believe Porzingis in this case and you know not be trusting of the front office, but uh, myself and some other people, you know, the front office seems to have made some pretty smart moves throughout the, you know, the tenure of Perry and Mills so far, even though, it's, you know, it's pushing two years old at this point. Um, and I, you know, I think some people have more confidence in the front office and we're able to sort of see the silver linings right away from trade. And then the four things came out about it um, and about Porzingis's. uh, unhappiness with the team and the organization and whatever. I think more people have flipped over to just kind of being at piece of it at this point, even if they didn't agree with it at the time, but yeah, at the time I, I can't really think of um, I can't think of a move or a thing that's happened
0: I want to talk about James Dolan because James Dolan kind of gets the wrap around the league especially from guys like Max Kellerman as you know saying like he's a bad team owner you know he's not especially when the whole you know banning the fan incident happened well what do you think about James Dolan as an owner do you think it's overstated that he's a bad owner
1: I mean there's no doubt that James Dolan is an idiot you know it's, it's like undeniable I mean he's stupid and he is a jerk and you know you can't you can't really avoid those facts um the banning the fan thing, you know, I, we just did a season review podcast and I mentioned that as one of kind of the low points of the season because it's stupid, you know, like, Dolan is, is almost cartoonish, you know, and comical in, like how he does these things because, you know, the fan tells him to sell the team and he then tries to frame it like it was like a malicious staged event. And I'm like, maybe, it left, maybe it wasn't. I don't really care. Either way, you should have thicker skin than that. But on top of just, like, throwing him out of the building that day, he has to, like, publicly go on record and be like, we banned him for life. And I'm like, how the hell are you going to enforce that? Like, with StubHub and everything else, you can, you bought this dude's credit card or something, but he's going to find a way to get in the building unless you literally, like, put wanted posters around the, you know, MSG thing that they're not allowed to let this guy in. And that's, it's just stupid. And, you know, it, that's the sort of stuff that makes the franchise look stupid. Even if, you know, I, I actually give, stolen some credit, in some respects he, he used to be pretty meddlesome from what it seemed like. He would get in the way of, of player decisions and stuff like he had no business ever doing that. And ever since really when he brought Phil Jackson aboard, other than firing Jackson, um, he hasn't really done anything on the you know, the actual team side other than, you know, make the occasional comment. But like even when he went on a radio show in the area you know, shortly after the banning, the fan thing, he had to read the young players' names off the sheet, and like it seemed like he was reading the names for the very first time. Like he doesn't, he doesn't know what's going on with the team, and that's actually a good thing. You know, I prefer that you just kind of stick hands off. So, I would say that like his his meddlesome nature these days is overplayed because he hasn't really been that way in about five years. Uh, but his idiocy is definitely never overplayed because he is definitely an idiot
0: (laughs) do you think that he made himself look bad when he came on like the the michael k show trying to explain why he banned the fan
1: yeah absolutely that's that's the interview i was referencing that he was reading players names off of like a sheet in a binder but he had like a a prep sheet you know with player names on it and i just think anytime he goes on the air he generally doesn't it's not generally a good look for him like he should probably just stay in the shadows um and keep playing with his band and all that and you know that would, that would probably be better for him but he definitely looked like a dummy in that interview and you know there's, there's just no way he looks at himself like a private citizen when in reality he's at some level a celebrity and you know being a celebrity comes with its own you know different codes of conduct I guess you know like you have to if you're a private citizen and someone yells at you and calls you a bum, you can get that out of shape because you're like, what did I do? Deserved it. If you're James Dolan and you're in the public eye and you know, you're know you an owner of a major sports team, if someone calls you an idiot and tells you to sell your team, you just kind of have to let it roll off your back because you're a public figure. And one you know, just doesn't seem to get
0: that. Yeah, and I think what also made the incident look bad, too, for my opinion, is this was just after the Russell Westbrook incident happened with a fan in Utah. And then, after Russell Westbrook had to go what he goes through, then it comes out of the James Dolan's like, yeah, you said I should trade the team? I mean, you said I should just sell the team? You're, you're banned. You're banned. So, so I, I think it kind of just made it all look pretty bad, given what a, what happened a couple of days prior. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's, you know, it's just like petty on a super, you know, on a super petty level. But that's just kind of the one's calling card. I mean, I don't know. He has very thin skin. And it's never going to change. You know, it's, I think... You just kind of live with that stuff as a Knicks fan at this point. Like, everybody else freaks out when you throw the fan out. I actually look at it almost like an improvement. I mean, in previous years, he was throwing fans out and calling them alcoholics and all this other stuff. Um, last year, he threw out Charles Oakley, who's, you know, a Knicks legend, and like had him like escorted out by police because Oakley made some comment to him. So, just throwing out one fan this year, not calling them an alcoholic, and it wasn't even a Knicks legend. It, it almost feels like an improvement. But, like, you, as a Knicks fan, you kind of understand that one of these things is probably going to happen once a year with
0: Going. gone. Now, now, what was the feeling when he, when he got, when he did what he did to Charles Oakley? Because I know a lot of Knicks fans that were really upset about that. What was the feeling among the fan base, and even you, when, when you, when you heard about that?
1: I mean, I'm like, so, you know, I'm 28 years old, so I didn't, really know Oakley, the player. Um, So it it didn't hit home quite as hard for me. Uh, I know anybody that I know that was like, you know, a a big Knicks fan during the 90s was appalled by it, as they should have been. I mean, I looked at it, too, as like, this is ridiculous and stupid. Like, you know, even if Oakley was drunk or something and was stepping over a line with Dolan, which Dolan claims he did, Oakley claimed he wasn't, you know, belligerent. I don't and you know, when you look at the cell phone videos that people took and whatever, it doesn't seem like he was belligerent and it seems like he was being cooperative. But regardless of who you even want to believe with it, it just could've been handled better. You know, he he made a spectacle of it, owned it, and you know, they he sent like his security guards basically rough the or rough Oakley up and escorted him out of the building and I
0: Now a question I've always wanted to know is, you know, what went into the Phil Jackson hire? How did that come about?
1: they got talking, uh, James Dolan's literal quote on it, if I recall, was like, Phil Jackson told me the seven something or others of basketball, and, I, you know, it was like love for sight, and uh, so then, you know, he hired Phil, and it just, to me, at least, it made sense at the time, you know, you would think that a guy like Phil Jackson would have been able to, you know, run a team as the president of basketball operations, you know, because he definitely knows basketball. And that showed through in, in his um his drafting at least I think as he drafted him as an executive, but um, other than that, like you know, it, it was just it, ultimately I, I think that you know Phil just didn't didn't quite understand how to run a team, you know, it, as an executive, and he kept trying to do it like a coach, using the media as a weapon and stuff like that, and that's just. That sort of thing just doesn't really fly when you're an executive, and you have to kind of hold yourself to a different level of decorum as far as like media relations
0: and stuff. Now, now do you think Dolan will ever sell the team? Do you think that's actually a thing? Because there were reports about that a little bit earlier in the year. Do you think that's actually a thing?
1: No, I, not really. Um, I mean, if he did, I, I guess maybe I could see it, but it's it's so much more complicated than that. At least right now. Um, the reason that those reports started coming out was because the owner was trying to spin off the Knicks and Rangers from the, M- the Madison Square Garden Company, which uh, owns MSG Network and the garden itself and all that. So uh, right now, that all those things are all one single entity. And so if the owner would ever try to sell that individually, it would cost like you know, I I don't even know the sum of money it would cost, like fifteen billion dollars or something, maybe more than that. I, I have no clue because I don't know what the Rangers are worth. I know the Knicks are reported to be worth about five billion, so and then do the math with the TV network and the building and all that other stuff too. But um, yeah, so I I think that it's being a little overplayed. I I don't think he's likely to sell the Knicks. Um, if he was going to, he would.
0: I want to thank you for coming on the show I appreciate it
1: yeah of course Daryl thank you for having me on uh, it was a pleasure I, I enjoyed the whole conversation
0: now, now now where can we find the Locked on Knicks podcast just for people out there
1: so you can find uh, the Locked on Knicks podcast pretty much anywhere podcasts are streamed um, we're, I, I think we're on everything but SoundCloud uh, so Stitcher Google Play Apple Podcasts um, Spotify Spotify you can check us out there, uh, all over the place. As far as podcasts, you can also check me out on postingposting That's SB Nation Nick's blog uh, right there. You check both those entities out on Twitter at LockedOnNick's at PT Nick's blog, and then I'm on Twitter at the Alex Wolf
0: Okay. Now, coming next after the break on Fresh Sports Talk, I'm going to tell you why Gritty Williams. May have made a huge mistake Cut him next after the break On Barbershop Sports Talk
2: Well you can tell everybody Yeah you can tell everybody Go ahead
0: and tell everybody I'm the man of oh. my we're back with the Sports. Chester Borsa. Once again, I want to thank Alex Wolf, host of the co-host of uh, Lockdown Knicks Podcast, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it, and I really appreciate him spending time out of his busy day and busy schedule coming on the show and helping out. Now, here's what I want to talk about, right? I'll get to Greedy Williams' comments in just a minute, because, you know, right? I, I remember I was actually looking through Facebook, right? And I was looking through some pictures, and I saw a picture of uh, me... Uh, a couple of my teammates I wrestled with back in high school. I saw a couple of football pictures too, from when I played back in, like, Modified. And I was like, damn, you know, that fits into perspective for me a little bit, right? Uh, I'm like, I'm a junior in college now. I'm like four years ago. I was a junior in high school. Like, I'm getting old. Like, everything else is, I used to watch as a little kid is now I'm boomerang. And I say that to save this. Last year during the NFL draft, I said Josh Allen was a scrub. I said he was a bum. I said he could not play. Now, and I said I would never really amend that. Now I'm going to change that. I'm going to say I was slightly wrong on Josh Allen. I know Michael Uncle David, if you're listening to this, he's probably jumping up and down right now. I'm giving Josh Allen a chance now the door has been opened back up for Josh Allen. We are back in business, Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen is, the jury's still out on him. I think he's not. My necessarily cup of tea. I, I think I don't. I still don't think McDermott's doing the most to pit receiving talent around. Him, I'm going to be perfectly honest. Cole Beasley. I mean, as a receiving threat, <laughs> I guess take that for what you want. I mean, Cole Beasley is uh, number three, not a number two or a number one. And him or John uh, Josh Brown. Uh, I don't think Josh Brown's all that great either. But we'll give Josh Allen a chance. But with that, and I want to say this because. I really killed Josh Allen last year, right? I really killed him. And there's another guy that's getting killed right now in the national media. Daniel Jones, quarterback out of Duke. Now, I know people might say Dwayne Haskins is better than Daniel Jones. And I would agree with that. But I will tell you this also. I'm not the biggest Dwayne Haskins fan. I think Will Greer will be better than Dwayne Haskins. If you're t- telling, asking me who I think is the, the best quarterback, I would say Kyler Murray, right? Then I would say Will Greer. Then I would go Dwayne Haskins. Then I would say Drew Locke, right? Quarterback out of Missouri. Then I would go a Daniel Jones. And I think the sleeper of this class is Tyree Jackson, quarterback out of UB, played for the University of Buffalo. Has And he's actually on the Buffalo Bills practice squad right now. The Bills just picked him up as an undrafted free agent, has a, a live arm, kind of wiry, long, athletic, and just needs to learn how to play more. But the dude's a freak. He's a freak. So I think sometimes, I think sometimes we get caught up, you know, when it's our team, right? I know a lot of people are killing the Giants. And I think part of it, too, is gentlemen, A lot of people don't think Gettleman knows what he's doing. But I will say this. When we look back, and this is what I will say, you know, I'm not the one making the decision. I'm not the one making the decision. I'm going to trust the Giants. They did their scouting process, right? And they saw something in Daniel Jones. Because I have not watched a lot of Daniel Jones. I have not watched a lot of Daniel Jones. I, Daniel Jones. I will say that. So it's hard for me to make opinions. I have not watched a lot of Daniel Jones. I've watched a lot of Kyler Murray. I've watched a lot of Will Greer. I've watched Dwayne Haskins. I've watched Drew Locke. I've watched Tyree Jackson. So I can't make an opinion of Daniel Jones when I haven't seen him play all that much. I'm just going to say what I've read, a little bit of the clips I've seen and what a lot of scouts are saying and what he was projected from at first, you know, until the middle of the year, till now... It's kind of crazy. But I will say this. If the New England Patriots, if they drafted Tom Brady with their first-round pick, we would have said, you're crazy. Would we have not? Would we have not have? Think about it. If you fall in love with your quarterback, if you think your quarterback is the guy, if you think your quarterback is the person that can take you to the promised land, that can elevate your franchise and be a force multiplier, then you draft him, no matter where it is. Because no matter where you draft him, and you should draft him as soon as possible if you identify him as such, because then he becomes the most valuable person in your franchise and the ultimate chess piece. That's what you need. The quarterback might not always be the best player on the team, but he will always be the most important player on a team, on a football roster, especially in the NFL, because that's the way the game is designed. Now, there's some other stuff going on in here too. Eli Manning and Daniel Jones, I guess they know each other. Daniel Jones was like which the um, the Manning Passing Academy for a couple years. So they know each other that w- they know each other that way. There've also been reports and people have said Dwayne Haskins would not want to sit behind Eli Manning. Daniel Jones might be more receptive to sitting and learning from Eli Manning, which I think is all important because you want a healthy two quarterback system, right? You don't want it to get ugly or nasty like it was with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers or like Joe Montana and Steve Young or even like how it got with Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo towards the end. You don't want it to be like that. You want it to be nice, respectful, you know, trusting, learning, and, and maybe that was the smart decision, right? That's the smart decision. So, I'm going to not destroy Gettleman for the Daniel Jones pick. I think it's interesting. I think it's wrong. I would not have made that pick. But let's give this a little bit of time. For example, like I said, reflecting, I was too hard on Josh Allen. I was too hard on Josh Allen. I was too hard on him. I don't think Josh Allen's great. I don't think he's bad. I think the jury's still out of him. I think if Josh Allen reaches his biggest potential, Josh Allen can be a franchise quarterback now. That's what I, I believe that now. Not a franchise. I mean, I, I believe that. Jo- no, I will say franchise quarterback. Franchise quarterback. He can be a top 15 quarterback in this league if Josh Allen reaches his utmost potential. But if he doesn't, he'll can be out of the league uh, working at your local Walmart. That's what I also believe. But at first, I thought he was definitely going to be looking at working at your local Walmart, right? So everything changes when you see a player play. You see their potential. You see their talent. And something else that we know, you know, Daniel Jones isn't done developing. He's not done getting better. He's going to get the best coaching in the world. The best coaching in the world. And that means something. And that means something. His work ethic. You know, Tom Brady got better once he got to the NFL, right? Aaron Rodgers got better once he went to the NFL. Drew Brees got better from when he was with the San Diego Chargers to with the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees got better. Mid-career. We don't see that. You don't see that. Rich Gannon got better. You can always improve and get better at your skill, at your craft. So let's give Daniel Jones a little bit of time, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And I will say this, too, and this is my last point I want to make. I hate the fact that, you know, we boo players and we're like, oh, they suck. And we, we kind of say, like, I hate him. He, like, you know, and all of that stuff. Because at the end of the day, Daniel Jones is probably the nicest guy in the world. we're all hating on him because we think he's not good at football because we think he can't throw football. Right? And it's sad. And I, that's kind of why I was like, Bill's Spins, like, let's chill with the Nathan Peterman hate. Just a little bit. Let's chill with the Nathan Peterman hate. Now, Gritty Williams, cornerback at LSU, was drafted by the Browns. By the way, great pickup for the Browns. And the Browns right now are loaded with talent. They have the most talented team in the AFC. I think it's either actually them or the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, and I'll probably get more into that next podcast in terms of where I think every team will be now in terms of their draft, how they drafted. And once we get into free agency too, and then we're going to start doing NFL previews. But to me... I'll say Browns number one, Jacksonville Jaguars number two, most talented team in the AFC. Most talented teams in the AFC. The Browns are loaded. Franchise quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Star wide receiver, Odo Beckham. Star number two receiver, Jarvis Landry. Star tight end, Njoku. Star running back, Kareem Hunt. Very good running back, Nick Chubb. Versatile can do everything, all purpose running back. Duke Johnson. Okay? We're talking about some we talk about some people that can play and put points on the board. Defense. Sheldon Richardson. Very good defensive tackle. Miles Garrett, all world defensive end. Denzel Ward, star cornerback. Greedy Williams, in my opinion, the best corner cover cornerback in the draft. Best man to man cover cornerback in the draft. But you wouldn't know what Greedy Williams said Greedy Williams talked about the Browns going to the Super Bowl. And here's my biggest problem. Greedy, my brother, you were drafted, what was Greedy drafted uh, in the second round? You were not in the first cornerback taken off the board in the draft. And you are proclaiming that the Browns are going to the Super Bowl. I haven't heard Baker Mayfield talk about the Super Bowl. I haven't heard Odell Beckham talk about the Super Bowl. There have been some Browns fans, and I'm in John Kerry, I'm in Cleveland, and they ain't even talking about the Super Bowl. Why are you talking about the Super Bowl? Listen. The the Browns have won, like, five games in the last three years. Let's not talk about Super Bowl. Let's just talk about changing the culture. Let's talk about getting better every day. Let's talk about competing for a playoff spot, competing to have a own playoff game, competing with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are going to be a very sneaky team for a division title, talking about the Super Bowl. And you want to know what this reminds me of? And this, I'm officially sounding the alarm on the Browns, right? Officially sounded the alarm on the Browns. This reminds me of a uh, very similar incident when uh, one Vince Young said about the Philadelphia Eagles who had a Namdi Asua, a Namdi v- uh Michael Vick, Deshaun Jackson, a Jeremy Macklin, a Brad- uh, Brett Brett Trent Cole, loaded, loaded, Asante Samuel, loaded Philadelphia Eagles roster. And Vince Young's like, I think we's the dream team. <sighs> it's like, well. You might think you are the dream team, but Vince, you do realize that you are the backup quarterback. Greedy Williams, you do realize that you're not even guaranteed to start and you talking about y'all going to the Super Bowl. See, you know, this is this gets into a bigger problem in sports. If you don't play, if you're not a star, if you're not the guy, then do not talk. Because part of talking is being able to back it up. And Greedy... We don't even know if you can back it up. And you're talking in the off-season. The off-season. We're not talking about the postseason. We're not talking about the regular season. You're not 8-0 midway through the NFL season. You are talking in April. April. How about you talk in January? How about you talk in January? Expectations are everything. They shouldn't be too high necessarily. They shouldn't be too low. They should be right in the middle. They should be achievable. They should be attainable. And they should be something you build towards every day. And I don't think the Browns need that. And I hope Baker Mayfield or somebody in that locker room is talking to him. Because I do not want. Because if the Browns think we're just guaranteed to go to the Super Bowl because we have all this talent. Bull. I said this. And I said this before. You want to know why the Patriots go to the Super Bowl every year? It's not because they have the most talent. They're the most disciplined. They're the most well-coached. Just because you have all the talents, like me and Denzel Ward are the two best cover corners in the end. That don't mean ish. That doesn't mean anything. Doesn't. Just doesn't. Now, coming up next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, I'm going to talk about the Buffalo Bills and their selections. During the NFL draft. Counting next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. I got some Jordans on my feet when I go step to the mic. I cannot name my opposition. I could say that I like. And if you step in my position, you would say that I'm right. I'm like Tyson in the booth, but I don't talk with a list. I see you trying to run your mouth. You look like Stephen A. Smith. I thank God the odds against me, but I'm coming out strong. I survive. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. And just to continue draft conversation a little bit, you know, you see, see my friend Randon, uh, Randon Ryback, my roommate, he has a uh, a good saying, uh, you hate to see it, that's a rough one, eventually we're going to make that into a segment, I got to get Randon in here recorded, uh, get a little voiceover work with Randon, hate to see it, and you know what you hate to see, Just what I saw, was just like, hate to see it, Josh Rosen, feeling a little petty. Arizona Cardinals drafted Kyla Murray. It's like when, when you have that girl that you, that you really like and you really, you're really you in love with her, think she's with some other guy. He's better looking. He's stronger. He's faster. Oh, it, it's tragedy. It, it really is. Has a better paying job. More prestigious person. You're just a better guy overall. And he steals it right from under you. And you're like, damn, we've only been married for a year, but now she's with some other dude. She's going to dinner with some other dude. She talking about some other dude. That is Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray in the Arizona Cardinals dynamic. Josh Rose is like, I'm going to follow him. And then Steve Smith, I don't have the audio here. I'm not going to pull the quote exactly, but I'm going to paraphrase what Steve Smith Jr. said, A uh, former wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers on the NFL network. He told Josh, he said, why are you being so butthurt? He says, get it together. He's like, this is why you had an ego. He's like, you ain't good enough to have no ego. How about you stay humble and get your butt to work? Cause you will scrub basically. And you ain't good enough to be angry. And I was like, "Okay, Steve. Okay, Steve Smith. Pulling the heat. Steve Smith don't play games, by the way. Uh, m- uh he told Michael Irvin that uh, you, you can't run half the half the routes I can. than Mike Irvin like, I I got three rings though. I got three rings at at this Steve Smith like, you you got Emmett, you got Emmett, you got Troy, you got Troy, you got an old line. Of course, you got three rings. Like that that's how that that <laughs> that's why I love Steve Smith. Steve Smith keeps it real. Keeps it real." Hate to see it, though, Josh Rosen. And he's now with the Miami Dolphins. I think that's an interesting move. Uh, and I think it works out better for both parties. I think, you know, warm climate. Uh, played in UCLA, right? California, warm weather, easier to throw. Uh, should lend to uh, better numbers, better stats. I think what will be interesting, though, is Josh Rosen with Brian Flores, a former New England Patriots defensive coordinator. If you don't know anything about Brian Flores, kind of like a hard-ass, you know, Tough minded guy, tough minded man. Uh, and he will challenge Josh Rosen. He's of that kind of Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick, Mold. Who really holds you accountable, can kind of come off, you know, you know, you know, that he has a bit of an ego, has a bit of a bravado around him, because he's from that New England Patriots family tree. So it will be interesting because Josh Rosen will be coached hard. He'll probably have people cuss him out, and he'll be challenged in ways that he's never been challenged before. And I always said this about Josh Rosen too. I I didn't watch a lot of Josh Allen, like I said, you know, Josh Allen, Daniel Jones. I didn't watch a lot of Josh uh, Allen games. I watched a lot of Josh Rosen games. Josh Rosen can throw the football. Doesn't have a big arm, but it's a good enough arm. And it's a beautiful ball. Now the concerns I do have, not the most athletic in the world, kind of stationary, kind of a statue, but Tom Brady's like a statue. And I worry about his mental toughness you know his desire, his will. I worry about more of his mind than his body, than his uh, than his physical ability. I wonder more about the will than I do the skill, right? Can teach the skill, can't necessarily teach the will. But if anybody can bring it out, it will be Brian Flores. And if it doesn't work, then Josh Rosen might be considered a bust because he will be coached hard and he will be challenged. And I believe he'll beat Ryan Fitzpatrick out for the starting job. He will get a one-year audition, and we will see what can Josh Rosen do. What is Josh Rosen going to do when he's getting smacked upside the face by Ed Oliver over and over again? When the Bills play the Miami Dolphins, his offensive line isn't protecting them, and they're losing games. What is he going to do then? Then we are going to see what Josh Rosen is and what Josh Rosen is about. Now, Buffalo Bills, I am happy about the draft. I am content with the draft. Uh, I will talk more about it with Silas Garrison coming up on the second hour, the non-podcast version, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern, actually 2 p.m. Eastern, second hour, uh, Barbershop Sports Talk on the WCETFM radio network on LitNightInTheMinglands.com. I talk a lot about Silas with this because Silas called me up and was like, yo, we got to talk about this. I'm like, okay, Silas. But here's what I'm going to tell you about the Bills draft. One. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have my man's Silas Garrison on the show. How you doing, Silas? What's up, bro? What's up? What's up? Now, now, Silas, what I do have to ask you, Silas, please explain to me and everybody else why can you beat me in Madden? Why can't I beat you
2: in Madden?
0: Yes. Wow. All right. First of all, you, we both
2: have to admit you threw this one on me. You, did, you, did, you, did, you really did not talk about this one, but it's okay. Um,. Well, number one, it's not just you, Daryl. I can be anybody in that. Number one, my, uh, I'll be honest with you. I play with the Carolina Playbook, um, and I love to go and spread. Uh, my spread's very good. I have, I also just more so out of that playbook. You've got to remember, I've been playing with that playbook since I was, like, what am I, 22 now, since I was, like, 17, so, I mean, I've literally mastered the
0: Now, so here's the first question I do want to ask you. What I do really want to talk about, and we we mentioned this before we came on, because I do I do want your perspective on this as a guy that does is, is really woke and really pays attention to this type of stuff. So Kate Smith, who I believe is a country singer, uh, she has a rendition of "God Bless America" that used to play before every Philadelphia Flyers uh, hockey game, and recently they have decided to no longer play that because she's had other songs that have uh, racist lyrics and uh very things that you know don't speak fondly of African Americans and black and brown people now there's been a lot of controversy and I believe also there was a statue of her that has been taken down Uh do you think it is right for because there's a lot of debate about this and I want to know your opinion on this do you think it's right for her song to no longer be played even though that song is not the song that had the racist lyrics and for her statue to be taken down is that right also considering the fact that she's been dead for about 30 years well I looked at it this. um the worst
2: thing that comes with racial lyrics is bringing back a lot of pain that comes from racism that's been uh systemic to our country and that has been uh systematically enforced as well to our country i think um it's to, I, to be honest with you i think it's very very hypocritical that we take down uh her statue uh for one um the song had absolutely nothing to do with the racist lyrics. Um, and as it pertains to racism in her past lyrics, I look at it like this, and I've been saying this for a while. You can't change what what's in a person's heart. I what I wish people would do.
0: Now, here would be my next question for you two sides about this. Because, you know, and I, I go back and forth on this because I do understand. I also understand that part of this is it's imagery and it doesn't look good. if you still Nowadays, it doesn't look good if you have her song being played, even though the song did not have anything racist in it. That particular song it just doesn't look good in terms of PR purposes. And we know how that controls society now. But but here's what I would say where I do agree with you. Where do we also set the stage to? And this is like a broader uh, topic. But and you are right. You, you can't erase history, for example. Uh, George Washington owned slaves. Are we erasing okay. everything George Washington has ever done and who he is? Because we haven't. So where is that line? Oliver, number ninth overall, is a steal. A steal. Ed Oliver, people were talking about at the beginning of the year, Ed Oliver for the Heisman. Before Tua went off, before Dwayne Haskins went off, before Kyler Murray went off, people were talking about Ed Oliver. He's a D tackle, can play every position on the D line. He's powerful, he's quick. Uh, I've heard a lot of comparisons to him and Aaron Donald. Explosion, strong, dominant. And to me top five player overall, at least on my big board, I thought the top five players in the draft, Nick Bosa, Clinton Williams, Clinton Farrell, Montez Sweet, and Ed Oliver, that was my top five, in no particular order, my top five, people are talking about Ed Oliver, is he better than Nick Bosa to begin the year, and we know what type of talent Nick Bosa is, we know how heavily thought of Nick Bosa is. So I love this pick for the Buffalo Bills. I know they might not need it, but draft best player available. I know some people might say, we need a receiver, we need another running back, we need this, we need that. No. Draft the best player available. Because guess what? Good football players will find a way even out of position. If you're a good football player, then you can play a different position. Get the most talent on the field as humanly possible. Hey, this, this guy can't catch balls, can't catch passes and get open and run routes, but we need a wide receiver, so let's draft him instead of the all-world defensive tackle. Makes no freaking sense. Number two, Cody Ford, offensive lineman out of Oklahoma. Love Cody Ford. Think he will be an immediate plug-and-play guy. He was drafted in the second round, number 38 overall. He was in my top 20 overall players. My top 20. He can run block, he can pass a block, he's very smart, Oklahoma runs a very complex system. He can move, he can explode off the ball. He's a multi-year starter at Oklahoma, multi-year starter. Love Cody Ford, love the pick. And then my, the other pick I like, Vashawn Joseph, linebacker out of Florida. Now. And I love this too because this is great value because I think of a Sean Joseph as a second or third round caliber guy, not a fifth rounder. He will immediately, he won't be a full-time starter for the Bills in all likelihood, but he will play in a lot of sub packages. He's a quick athletic linebacker that can play sideline to sideline. He's not really a thumper. I think he misses a lot of tackles on the negative side, but he'll be able to cover. He'll be able to cover. He's a bit of an ankle tackler, which I don't necessarily love for my linebacker. But he can cover. You can put him on a tight end in coverage. You can have him cover a running back, you know, out of the backfield. You can have him maybe in your sub packages. So he will be able to make an impact. He'll be able to make an impact. And that's what you need. You're going to need impact players. Maybe not guys that are every-down starters, but he will be a guy that you'll need on a third down when it's obvious passing situations obvious passing situations, but the dude needs to work on his tackling, I I am not a fan of this dude's tackling, I saw him play a couple, a lot lot of times actually for Florida, and he would miss a lot of tackles in the hole, can get linemen, will get attached to him, and he can't shed, uh, which are my concerns, especially in the NFL, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's athletic, sideline to sideline, and you need that speed, and you need that athleticism, and you need that quickness, especially for certain defensive packages, and especially if you want to be versatile. So, that's my stake. And, by the way, Tyree Jackson, have already said this. Uh, basically, he's the black Josh Allen. <laughs> uh, not very raw. Not the best accuracy. Live arm. Athletic. Big, strong, quick. And he's going to be willing to learn like I think Josh Allen is. So, I think that will be a good pick. I think he can learn a lot from Josh Allen. And since we have Josh Allen as our quarterback, our starting quarterback, if Josh Allen gets hurt, we need a quarterback in Tyree Jackson that can run the same offense. So everything goes smoothly. So I think that's a uh, good pick, good move. Also, I want to give a shout-out to Quadriolison, uh, hometown kid from Buffalo, New York. I believe he's from the Niagara Falls area specifically. Played football at Canisius High School. Uh, went to the University of Pittsburgh. Was drafted in the fifth round by the Atlanta Falcons. So I want to wish him some luck. Always love it when you see local products succeed, especially from the 716 from Buffalo, New York. Uh, touches my heart in a lot of ways because I just love seeing people accomplish their dreams, especially people when you grow up around them. You like you grew up in the same area. I always say they know it's cool. Like when I see a kid like Jordan Nora, who I was freaking taking nap time with, and we used to get in trouble and get put in the yellow chairs uh, at Martin Luther King Christian uh, Pre K. Basically, grew up with the kid. Went to Windermere. Went to middle school. Went to high school with them briefly. And then I see him on TV, and he's on Louisville, and he's torching R.J. Baird and Zion Williamson. And I'm like, okay, let's go. So I love to see that. uh, Best of luck to Quadri again. Best of luck. So like I said, you know, see, I'm getting a little sentimental now. The year, the year's coming to a close. Been a lot of great memories. A lot of great memories. I still got to get Randon on the show, actually. Uh, you know, my, my, my roommate, like I said, there's going to be a new segment coming up soon. It's called Hate to See It. And it, the idea was spurred. It was inspired by Randon. So I do hope eventually you can get Randon on the show. So if Randon listens to this, Randon can call me out and be like, yo, Daryl, why don't you get me on the show? Other than that, I want to tell you something interesting, something funny. Huh? That actually happened to me a couple hours ago when I was in class. So um uh, taking like this... And, no, it's a shame I don't actually know the exact name of this class, too. Lord have mercy. I've been in the class for a whole semester. Uh, don't, don't judge me, though. Don't judge me. Please. Uh, maybe you can judge me a little bit. But, uh, it's a Greek, uh, play class, and we were doing comedies, Greek comedies, and one of the groups, uh, and one of the kids came up to the teacher after, and he was like, you know what, I actually read the book, and... It was pretty cool, you know, it was pretty funny. And it's like, Oh, you are talking about the like the end scene or whatever and, and about how they met and how cool that was, right? And he's like, No, because uh, because actually let me give you some context first. Uh, the story was about uh, prostitutes, right? And the two guys were arguing about the prostitute. And then the one kid says, Nah, I, I just thought, you know, the threesome at the end was pretty funny. And then I start dying and I was like, You know what? College age kid, you know, eighteen to twenty-two, young man, you know? chances are, you know, the three-way, you know, that, that, I could see how, you know, that would be what sticks out in the mind a little bit, but I just thought that was what You said the class, and I, and I try not to make a habit doing this anymore, but sometimes I'll have a little, I had a little laugh, right, and I almost fell off my chair, and I was like, okay, that was a little bit too much for Daryl, Daryl's gonna have to take time out right now, gonna have to take time out, but other than that, great, Funny, interesting. Thought I'd share that with you when I try to share, you know, something interesting that happened today, something interesting that happened recently, that's appropriate, that's something that I can, you know, be okay people listen to, especially my mom, because my mom always tells me image is everything. Now, if you want to check out the podcast, you can check it out on SoundCloud, Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and or Stitcher actually too, and Stitcher. And if you don't like my podcast for whatever reason, and you wanna give a comment, Don't give a bad comment. Because you know what? You know what your mom told you? If you don't have anything nice, don't say it at all. But if you do like my podcast, right? Like, how could you not? Uh, Five stars. Leave a nice comment. Subscribe. Right? iTunes, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, the whole deal. Really appreciate it. Now, coming up next, second hour of Barbershop Sports Talk on the WCETFM radio network on LateNightInTheMidlands.com, 2 p.m. Eastern time, we're going to have... Silas Garrison on the show. we going to have Jason Gavari. There are going to be two reruns coming up. We will be back, you know, kind of business as usual Thursday. A uh, lot of basketball, a lot of NFL, a lot of draft talk, a little bit of baseball. Going to have a lot of stuff going and a lot of stuff to talk about. Also, I'm going to have a very interesting conversation with Silas about the whole Kate Smith ordeal. And I'll probably put that in another podcast so people can hear it. Just not this specific one right now because I do want people to hear this. For those of you who don't know, it's about Kate Smith uh a former singer who has the rendition of God Bless America. They stopped playing it before Philadelphia Flyers game, the hockey team. And because she had some other racist songs that were considered racist and some other songs. So we're going to talk. I'm going to talk to Silas about it since Silas is a civil rights major. Is it right? Is it wrong? How he feels about it? Because Silas always has an interesting and deep perspective. And we're going to talk about all that kind of next second hour of Barbershop Sports Talk on the WCET FM radio network on Late Night in the Midlands.com.